Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So then, about one in four of total global deaths were attributable to unhealthy environments, according to a new World Health Organization report. Looking at 12.6 million deaths back in 2012, the report covered a wide range of risk factors from air and water pollution to chemical exposures to climate change. WHO Director General Dr Margaret Chan urged countries to be more proactive in addressing this issue. And we have on the line Professor Alistair Woodward, the Head of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of Auckland, who participated in the study and was one of the experts of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2007. Thank you so much for joining us. That's fine. Happy to be with you. Um, And I understand this is the second edition of the report, which was first published 10 years ago. Uh, What's changed between then and now? some important changes. Um, The numbers have got even bigger. In other words, the proportion of deaths attributable to environmental causes is slightly higher than it was in the past. But probably more important, the the pattern is changing. So there have been some improvements. Um, Deaths caused by, uh, by poor water supplies and lack of access to safe sanitation are falling. That's a problem that we're getting on top of that is being improved. Um, Deaths due to malaria are also less now than they were 10 years ago, uh, and that's very good news. Um, Still important um, things to be done in some parts of the world. Uh, Malaria, of course, is still a huge problem, but overall, um, this is a problem that we are getting to grips with. But then there are some problems that are getting worse, and there are new problems that are emerging. Uh, The air pollution story is uh, much worse than it was 10 years ago. That's partly that we've recognised and described it better than we could before, and it's partly because air quality in some parts of the world, especially North Asia, uh, is deteriorating. Right, let's... um hone in on air pollution then briefly because it's uh, a topic that's close to our own heart here in South Korea and and on this idea that it's been getting worse my understanding is that uh, the the finest particulate matter PM 2.5 is uh, caused by combustion of which coal burning is one of the primary causes but that's been around for decades why would it suddenly be a problem now? Well, as I said, it's partly a recognition of a problem that's been around for a long time, but it's also the case that coal consumption in North Asia um, has been increasing year by year. The amount of coal burnt, used, um, the pollution emitted has been increasing year on year, particularly in China. China's economic boom has uh, been largely driven by coal. So uh, the pollution um, itself is getting worse than it was in the past. Mm. Um, Another point I should make, that when we're talking about air pollution, we're talking about both outdoor air pollution, which is of the kind that would concern you in South Korea particularly, but also indoor air pollution. This is a problem in India, in China, in parts of Africa, 
where many millions of people require or uh, depend on um, indoor fires poorly vented for heating and cooking. Um, that causes a great deal of pollution and a great deal of poor health um, in addition to what happens outdoors. And just as a quick note for all of us, um, when you look at guidelines, they vary from place to place. So, for example, here in uh, South Korea, the range uh, of micrograms per cubic meter for uh, the kind of ultra-fine dust that I was referring to before, but also the uh, slightly larger particles that would be associated with yellow dust. Well, the range seems to be more forgiving, and we'll stay in uh, what's uh, labelled as a green zone or, or normal uh, for further than we would, uh, according to the AQI, uh, a global index, which would then have us much earlier into a, a category of being sensitive for vulnerable groups. Uh, at what point... Can we say air pollution becomes harmful to our health if we're chronically exposed? There's no, to our best knowledge, there's no safe level, absolutely safe level. Uh, in other words, um, any reduction in exposure um, is good for your health. It's just that it becomes more expensive, obviously, and more difficult um, as air quality improves. Mm. You know, we all have to make life choices. Uh, we can get air filters at home, we can wear masks, but we don't want to get overly sensitive to it either because we do, after all, have to go about our daily business. In, in terms of risk, um, I mean, when China's off the charts occasionally with its um, levels and, and South Korea might be, you know, around 50 micrograms per cubic meter, for example, of... PM 2.5. I mean, sh should that be st affecting our daily lives, our daily decisions? Uh, that's a personal response, really, and also it's very much context-driven. If you are living in Beijing during the winter, um, then I'd suggest many people would feel that the air quality is so poor that it is something you have to factor into your daily mm. lives. Um, you know, do your kids stay at home or do they go to school? Uh, do they exercise outdoors? Um, those are issues that are, um, I think, are, are very important and immediate if you're in a um, situation that much of North China is in for much of the year. Yes. In New Zealand, we still have air pollution problems, but they're much more minor. And I don't think people factor in air pollution day to day in terms of which way will I walk to work. South Korea, I think your position is in between, obviously, Air quality in, in South Korea is much better than in China, but you still have, uh, by New Zealand standards, by European standards, by North American standards, you still have, um, often have, air, uh, air pollution at uh, relatively high levels. And there are other factors that were addressed in this report as well. What can governments do to better address climate change, for example, which we've heard, you know, repeated steps on? Yes, well, climate change is one of the new and emerging issues. Uh, difficult to exactly and precisely describe the current impact, uh, but it might not be much less than the current impact of malaria in terms of numbers of deaths occurring each year. And the difference is that, of course, the future prospects for climate change um, are much more challenging than they are for malaria. Um, 
unless uh, we can put the Paris Agreement, uh, the agreement, climate conference agreement that was held in Paris, in Paris last December, into practice. Um, so your question, I think, is uh, what can we do to reach the Paris goal, which mm. is to hold warming to no more than two degrees and ideally no more than one and a half? Um, it would be a good start, wouldn't it? Point, well, point 0.7 or point 0.8. Um, so I think um, the 1.5 goal is aspirational, but would be extraordinarily difficult to achieve given the momentum in the system. The two-degree goal is achievable, but it will require a radical change in the way we live and the way we use our energy. We've talked about coal already. Um, it's very hard to see a future for coal in uh, a future world that gets on top of climate change. Um, but it's a major fuel in many countries, China, as I've already mentioned. So there's going to be a transitional period that's going to be difficult, uh, but very important that we get started on that as soon as possible. Yeah, I, those two issues more or less go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, pollution and climate change. But there are also individual problems in our workplaces, and we also hear occasionally of those sorts of accidents here in South Korea. What, what can we all do on a daily basis overall? You know, I mentioned an individual response to air pollution, but overall, going to work, what can we do to make our environment healthier? Well, the sorts of things that we um, do have some control over, I suppose, um, are uh, transport choices. We know that the transport sector uh, contributes a quarter of um, greenhouse emissions worldwide. Um, it's most rapidly increasing sector in terms of contributions. Um, motor vehicle use uh, is the most is the largest contribution to greenhouse emissions in the transport sector. Um, aviation is a really hard one uh, because that's a significant contribution, but um, there are few options to uh, the use of aviation for, for travel, whereas um, local travel in many parts of the world, including South Korea, I know, there are alternatives to motor vehicle use. Um, and they include uh, more walking and cycling and greater use of public transport, particularly right. public transport that's, um, that's relatively uh, non-polluting. Well, again, it comes back to uh, that quality of air and emissions again, uh, Professor Woodward. I guess uh, for those individual accidents, uh, a certain level of caution is to be encouraged too. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Professor Alistair Woodward from the University of Auckland. And you can email us your thoughts, efmthismorning at gmail.com.